came across this cartoon. This is from a cartoon called Crabby Road. I understand this lady drinks and smokes and is very negative about a lot of people. I've seen this cartoon various places. But she says, I set out a box of donuts at work today just to see how many New Year's resolutions I could mess with. And, you know, isn't that true? It only takes one donut to break that New Year's resolution that we have. And once we break it, we usually say, nah, not, not even going to try anymore. But I came across an article that said the average American abandons their New Year's resolution by this date. You know what that date is? February 1st. Usually it only takes 32 days. In fact, 68% of the people that were surveyed of 2,000 people said it took less than 32 days for them to break their New Year's resolution. One in seven people say they don't believe they can actually even keep the resolutions that they make. And this study that was conducted by an organization called OnePoll discovered the why behind why we don't keep our resolutions. The top reason that was given is lack of discipline, that we just don't have the discipline to stick with it. Uh, and In fact, the study went on to find that uh, another reason was busy schedules or lacking the amount of time to do the things that we had set out for resolution. So sometimes we set unreal resolutions that we can never accomplish. And another reason was given as societal peer pressure. I guess your friends pressure you not to keep it. They see you losing weight and looking better than them, so they, here, eat this donut. And, and so we get it. But there are some people who do well at it. 41% said the way that helped them was to actively ask somebody to hold them accountable. And so that really helps. Uh, you can go on the internet and study all kinds of ways to help you keep your resolutions. Uh, a couple of ways that I found. Write them down. Second, make them simple. Third, share with someone to help hold you accountable. Number four, plan how you will do it. You know, you got to have a plan. Uh, uh, one of my resolutions is to read a book a month uh, this year. But I never wrote the books down yet. So if you make a list of the books, you'll be more apt to do it. Uh, five, break them down into smaller goals, and that will help you do it. The truth is, you can do it. If you have discipline. Discipline is the key to keeping your resolutions. But as we get into keeping our resolutions, we should also think about uh, God in the midst of our resolutions. You make a plan and you stick to it. And we're beginning a new series today. And this series is called Engage. Uh, this is a logo you're going to see a lot of in the near future because this is the logo for our new three-year plan that we're going to sort of introduce the tip of the iceberg to you today. It's also the name of the series that I'm going to preach for a while. We'll be talking about this uh, Engage plan, and, and this whole series will lead us to come to understand the plan. On February the 15th, you're actually going to have a, a brochure that breaks that plan down into small chunks, and then on 
January the 29th, you're going to have a full-blown copy of the whole plan, which will be several pages long. And that evening, on Sunday night, the 29th of January, we're going to actually have a dessert social in the fellowship hall where you can, we'll go through that plan with you detail by detail, and we'll, we'll talk about it among ourselves, and we'll be able to ask questions and things like that. So this three-year plan is going to be introduced this month, and it'll sort of be a gradual thing. You'll get the gist of it today as we go through this. You know, the big thing we need to think about is that the church is people. You go back to our younger days in Sunday school. Remember, we used to do this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. The church is not the building. It's the people. And God has called His people to do some things for His kingdom. And we want to get real serious about that as a church and real focused. And that's why we have this plan. Now, in this plan, there are going to be three targets. We're calling them targets. And those targets are that you will engage each of these targets. And the first target is that you, the people of the church, will engage Jesus. We have a name for that. It's called spiritual growth. That you will get serious about your own personal engagement of Jesus. It's discipleship. A second target is that we will engage Bristol. That we will get serious about reaching the people in our community of Bristol and helping them come to Christ. The third target is the next generation. That we will get serious about what we do as a church that will help make this place a friendly place for the next generation to come. And so we're, we're going we're to... We're going to introduce this plan to you over the next several weeks, as I say, and break it down for you, and we want you to know it's all biblically based. Uh, we have Bible verses that back up what we're doing as a church to help us grow both spiritually, internally, and to grow uh, in number as we reach our community. And so we, we want to be serious as a church and do what we do in essence this is our resolution for the next three years, not just for this coming year. It's our resolution to do for God what we feel He has called us to do. You know, the church worldwide is losing numbers. Uh, people are not growing up in the church. People are not coming to the church. And we're losing numbers. Now, there are some churches that are growing individually, but largely because people are leaving smaller churches and moving to larger churches. And so we want to engage in what we need to do to help this church that God has given us charge of to grow both spiritually and numerically in the coming years. We have a new vision. And that vision says hope changes everything. And we want to get that message of hope out to the world. And the hope that Jesus can change your life, and that hope in Jesus changes everything in your life. And how are we going to do that? That's our mission, to love God first of all, and because of the overflow of that love, we will love people, and, and in doing that, we will serve both God and people. So love God, love people, and serve both. And today we're going to think about this idea of engage. 
If you have a Bible, I'd like for you to go ahead and turn uh, uh, to... Uh, uh, you can make your way to Titus chapter 3. But I want to raise a question to you before we go there. And this is a question. As you're thinking about your New Year's resolutions that you're going to make, I want you to focus on something, and I want to help you focus on something, and that is you. And how you can do what God sees as priority. Here's a question I want you to ponder. What can I, person, what can I personally engage in that is priority for the Lord? I'm sure that just about everybody here, whether you wrote them down or not, probably said, next year I'm going to try to do this. All through Christmas when you're stuffing your face with whatever it was, all those holiday goodies, you're probably saying, I'll start a diet next year. Well, next year's here. It's today. And it's time to make good on those resolutions. And I'm sure that some of you have thought about, you know, what are, what are my resolutions? I want to try to watch my diet better. I want to be more healthy this year. I want to go to the gym. I want to work out. I want to control my finances. Maybe some of you want to quit smoking or quit drinking or, or whatever. You know, quit doing some bad habit that you have developed. But I want you to run that by the Lord and what the Lord says. And so as we look at this passage, I want you to think about uh, what Titus 3.14 says. Now, who is Titus? Titus was a convert to Christianity. Uh, he was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. His name is mentioned 13 times in the New Testament. He's a, a pretty prominent figure there. And he assisted Paul as he traveled and set up churches. And Paul sent him on some missions to do some things, sometimes to carry a letter to another church. He left him on the island of Crete where there were several towns where they had churches. And he told Titus, I sent you to Crete to appoint elders in the churches. That's how much confidence Paul had in this man Titus. He was a great servant of the Lord. And he writes this letter that we titled Titus to, to help Titus in his work, to give him some instruction about what to teach the churches and to warn him not to, uh, uh, to be careful about false teachers. And then there's this one last idea. It's the next to the last verse at the end of the letter to Titus. It's chapter 3, verse 14. Verse 15 is just a, a greeting uh, that, that people that is with Paul sends him greeting. But listen to what verse 14 says. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Titus 3.14 In this passage, we're going to find three criteria for engaging what is priority for the Lord. Now, I want you to notice Paul says, our people. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those churches that he sent Titus to minister to. And if those churches were to do this, we're to do it. That's why it got included in our Bible. And he's talking about the church. Uh, not just those churches, but us as well. And so Paul lays out these criteria, and notice what he says here, that they would learn to devote themselves. That's the NIV translation. You can go to the New American Standard, and you would read this. 
that our people must also learn to engage in good deeds. How about that? Engage. The word in the original Greek language of the New Testament can be translated to devote or to engage. In both cases, you get involved. You do something. And Paul is saying that our people can learn to do these things, these three criteria that I think we would do well to run our resolutions by if we're going to be productive for the Lord. So let's break this passage down and look at these three criteria. Paul says to devote themselves to doing what is good. Titus 3.14, first part. So I say, here's the first criteria. Engage in what is good from the Lord's perspective. We all have our idea about what is good from our own perspective. Maybe what is good for me. You go into the Bible and you study and you're going to read over and over again that the Lord is good. Guess what? God calls us to be good. In fact, God says, be holy, for I am holy. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 12, Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. What he's saying there is, is by your doing good deeds and the pagan people, the unchurched people, seeing your good deeds, they may say, hey, that guy's a follower of Jesus. I want to be like him. And so they would become a follower of Jesus, and that would glorify God when he returns to take his people to heaven. Now, when we, when we think about that word good, it's a hard word to articulate a definition of. I mean, we say good, and we all know what it means, but, but it's hard to put it into words. Well, it just means to be good, right? To, what it means is to do the right thing at the right time. That's being good. It's akin, the word here in the original Greek is akin to the word kindness that we find in the Bible. I like to think of goodness as being about what I do personally and kindness as how I do good to other people. But we are called to be good. And along with that goes kindness. Uh, both words are mentioned in Galatians 5.22. You know that passage we call the fruit of the Spirit? That is, when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we come to Christ, it begins to work in us, and it develops us, and it says the fruit of the Spirit, what is produced by the Spirit, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So it's part of what the Spirit will produce in us if we speak the, the Holy, seek the Holy Spirit. But you know, we, we know this, but we don't always do this. I heard about a little girl that was asked to pray at the end of Sunday school. The lesson had been about how to bring bad people to the church to help them become good people. And she was asked to pray, and she listened attentively to the lesson. And so at the end of the service, she said, Lord, uh, as she was praying, she said, Lord, make the bad people good and make the good people kind. You see, she'd been around some of the church people that maybe were good, but they weren't so kind. 
But we're called to be these good people as we live our lives. And we're called to be devoted to goodness, to engage in goodness. It's not just something we think about and talk about. We are to engage in a life that from the Lord's perspective is a good life. And you know how we do that? We engage Jesus. We are discipled. We learn what God says is good and how God wants us to live. We don't become good by trying harder. We become good by knowing Jesus better. And the more we know Jesus and the more His life rolls over into our lives, the better people we become. So, part of your plan, I hope this year, will include a way you can engage and grow spiritually and engage Jesus. We're going to do that largely, but we're going to expand our small group ministry this year. And we're going to have a book that everybody possible, we want the whole church to go through it. Not everybody will, but we hope everybody will be part of a small group and will go through this book that will help them to engage Jesus better. So that's the first criteria. Second, in order to provide for urgent needs. So here's the second criteria. Engage in what is urgent in the Lord's agenda. What do you think is in the Lord's agenda for the world today? You know, our world is a mess. Have y'all have noticed? Do you watch the news at night? You know, they don't report very much good stuff. They report a lot of bad stuff. And there's a lot of bad going on in our world. And I know the Scripture says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes me, you, Billy Graham, the Pope, whoever. We've all sinned. But that's not an excuse. And there's a big difference in this world from maybe you, you know what God's Word says and you have a weak moment and you fall short and you sin. A big difference in that and being a person who ignores the Word of God goes against the Word of God when you truly know the Word of God and are a person that doesn't even know the Word of God. And we have many who know the Word but ignore the Word. And we have many that just don't want to follow God or don't even know God in our world today. It is urgent. I think God would say, it is urgent that you get my Word out to the people of your communities. So we have to be the people to do that. We have to be the people to stand in the truth and to try to reach as many people as possible with the message that Jesus Christ has given us. You see, our part in this is to spread the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the hope that Jesus has out to the world. Because we know, you know, Hope changes everything. When people find that hope in Jesus, it's life-changing. And our part is to get the word out. Listen to what the Apostle Peter wrote. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So it's our job to know why we have hope and then to help get that hope that we have in Jesus 
out to the world. He says, know why you have that hope. Now he says, do it with gentleness and respect. We don't beat people over the head with the Bible. But we can learn ways. And this year, we're going to provide a way for you to learn how to share with other people, how to share your faith. And so that we can engage the Bristol community. You know, there's a lot of churched people in Bristol. But there's a lot of unchurched people in Bristol. And I believe God has given us responsibility to reach this community. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, he said that to 12 apostles, but he told them to teach the disciples to do all he had commanded them. So we're, in essence, commanded to go and make disciples. We want to become disciples who make disciples. And all of us have a place in God's agenda to do that. And then it goes down and it says, and not live unproductive lives. If we're not unproductive, then we are productive, right? So here's the third criterion. Engage in what is productive for the Lord's kingdom. You know, any way you look at it, a productive Christian life will be a life that follows Jesus and one that seeks to help other people follow Jesus, to get the message out. To, to help other people come to know the life and the hope that we have. It's living that good life. It's having a sense of urgency about what God has called us to do. And then it's being productive in what you do. Productive means that you produce something. You work to produce in yourself this, this good, holy life. And then you work to bring others into the kingdom with you to help strengthen the kingdom. And all of us can find a place in God's kingdom where we can serve. You know, you may be called by God to be a teacher. Or you may be called by God just to be a servant somewhere to, to help enhance what the church does. You may be called to be on the stage to, to sing and lead people in worship. Or maybe your worship out here in the congregation is a witness to other people. Maybe somebody sees you as you worship and they say, man, that person really loves God. You can tell by the way they worship. You may be called to, to go and visit shut-ins or you may be called to do all kinds of things, uh, outreach. But God has a plan for each of us. If you look at the church demographic, I'm talking about the church around the world, what you would find is that the generations, the, what we call the, the baby boomers and the builders, those are people that are over age 58, all the way up to however old you are. The, the church is pretty solid with them. But you know what, and I'm discovering this, those people, which I'm one of, we're getting old and decrepit. And some of us can't hardly walk, and some of us are dying. And... And, but that's the biggest chunk of people that make up the church. You go down to the next generation, uh, Generation X, as they are called. That's people from 40 up to 58. Uh, they're pretty strong in the church, involved. But you know what's starting to slip away is the people under 40. And we, we call those the millennials. And now Generation Z, millennials are... 40 to 25, and Generation Z is below 25. And those generations 
The church is not doing well with them. They're slipping away. That's why we have set as one of our circles to engage the next generation. We have to figure out how we're going to reach. And we got a whole team of people working on that that have come up with uh, a plan for how we can reach the next generation and bring them into the church. I think that's God's priority. That God wants us. You know, every church is just one generation away from being extinct. And trust me, I know a number of churches that you could go, and they don't have anybody under 40. And if you went there years ago, uh, Bill Parker and I were talking not too long ago, and he in the quartet used to travel around and sing at churches, and a lot of those churches have gone to being nice, good-sized churches till they're dwindling down now because they have failed to reach the next generation. And we want to, do you think that's what God wants? No. God wants us to figure out how to reach the next generation and to be productive in bringing them into the kingdom. Listen to this verse one more time. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. That's what God has called us to. And that's what we're working toward as Central Christian Church. Here's our connection today. We must learn to engage ourselves in what is priority for the Lord. You see, the Lord's got a plan for each of us. Now, some of you will sit there and say, well, I, I, I just can't do it. Did you hear what the Apostle Paul said? We must teach our people to learn. You can learn. The Bible says you can learn to do it. You can learn what you need to do, how to live that good life, and how to have that sense of urgency, and how to be productive in your walk with the Lord. Listen, our world is a messed up place. Tony Evans is a preacher in Dallas, Texas. He's written this book, and it's called What a Way to Live. Uh, and the subtitle is Running All of Life by the Kingdom Agenda, by God's Agenda. And listen to what he says in this book. Now, if you're a messed up person, contributing to a messed up family, contributing to a messed up church, leading to a messed up neighborhood, resulting in a messed up city, residing in a messed up county, helping create a messed up state, and helps produce a messed up nation, and your nation is part of the world, your messed up country will leave us with a messed up world. That makes perfect sense. But, so, he says, if you want a better world, composed of better countries, inhabited by better states, made up of better counties, composed of better cities, inhabited by better neighborhoods, illuminated by better churches, made up of better families, then we need to become better it all starts with personal responsibility. You see what it says? This is from the back cover of the book. If you want a better world, composed of better nations, inhabited by better states, filled with better counties, made up of better cities, composed of better neighborhoods, illuminated by better churches, populated with better families, 
then you have to start by becoming a better person. That's what God calls us to do. To live these good lives. To have an urgency about what God wants us to do. And then to be productive for the kingdom of God in what we do. That's what our engage is all about. We want to really put a focus on engaging Jesus. That's discipleship. On engaging Bristol. That's outreach. And on engaging the next generation. That's looking to the future to be what God wants us to be. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your word. Lord, you, you know, you give us, your Bible tells us you give us everything we need to live the life that you've called us to. And Lord, we know this. But just like making a New Year's resolution, we have to be disciplined to do the resolution. We have to be disciplined to do what you call us to do. And so I pray today that you would uh, invoke in us a desire to become all that you would have us to be. That in all that we do, we bring glory and honor to you. And so, Father, we, we want to be these people who engage. And I pray that you guide us and direct us as we go forward and help us to be the people that you call us to be. In Jesus' name, I pray and praise. Amen.